Write Down the Podcast, where two people who know nothing about mythology teach you about mythology. Today, we are doing another special episode. We are doing special episodes left and right these days. I know. So, this episode really excites me, mainly due to the fact that I am Irish. Well, and Swedish, and German, and who knows? God, who knows? Basically... Uh, Tony's just really white. I'm, oh, we didn't introduce ourselves. Like, I'm Cece. I'm Tony. What's up? <laughs> uh, I'm super white, and I come from a very European background. Woo! Uh, but today we're going to be talking about Ireland, and the creation myth, and the history of Ireland, to be exact. Uh, we're probably going to make this a special series, uh, just because I kid you not, there is so much shit on Ireland, it's not even funny. Like, oh, I mean, there's so much on, and that's why we're doing this podcast, oh, so we yeah. can attempt to break, down, break like, down the biggest portions. Yeah. And this is part of the biggest portions. This actually ties into Celtic mythology, which is Norse paganism and yeah. all that kind of stuff. Yep, it's basically a branch off of that. Yep. Um, yeah, I... Was we did this in my class this week, the mythology and rights class I've been taking, and I was telling Tony that I wanted to do an episode on it at some point because it was really interesting, and that got Tony and I talking about um, ancestry, and um, Tony decided to look up his ancestry last night, and he found some really cool things. Tony, did you write down anything of note? Uh, I didn't write down anything of note. But there's a, a lot on here. Like, I'm not going to make you guys all bored and stuff with my feeling family tree. But there is... I have lines upon lines upon lines of possible family When's members. the first generation of pure-blood Irish person? Pure-blood Irish? That would be 1839? Uh, born that one is eighteen thirty nine oh. Ireland, seventeen ninety three Ireland. Yeah, so the first full blooded Ireland, like the very first, like is from the mid eighteen hundreds. Yeah. So I mean, not super recent, but recent enough. Yeah, and I mean, I've got other or yeah, mid eighteen hundreds, eighteen forty five to nineteen sixteen. Um. Actually, it might even go oh, sooner than shoot. that. So, 1880. Uh, those don't have an explanation. I think they're 2,000 books. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, yeah. that's 1880. That is, you know, just over 100 years ago. Yeah. So, that's... literally 141 years ago. Yeah. That my ancestors came to the Americas, which I to thought... To Connecticut. Yeah, to Connecticut, of all which, places. I know. I don't think about Connecticut a lot. <laughs> no. Uh, sorry, people who live in Connecticut who listen to our podcast. Tell me about Connecticut. I want to know. <laughs> Please. Uh, but going back even yes. further, I found Ireland. I found uh, Odegaard, which is Norway. Um, like, going literally all the way back. And this there's... is all within 1700s and 1800s. Oh, yeah. Tony just... And so, when I asked him if he wanted to do our episode on it this week, he... Yeah. We got real excited. Apparently there's Anna Marie Larson, who died in 1959 in Longview, literally the town that we live in. I don't think we're supposed to share that. You know what? That's fine. Is it Longview, Texas? Who knows? Uh, but literally, like, in in the place where li we're living right now, someone died. Like, one of my family members died in 1959. So to think that 60, 70, almost 70 years ago, one of my ancestors was living in the town we live in. Oh yeah, it's absolutely crazy. It's terrifying, but it's awesome. 97. 97. In Ingeborg Alice Odegaard. Which my, if that's migrants, not the... Migrants from Norway. Oh. Yeah. It would have been so cool for you to be able to meet them. Unfortunately, you were too young. Yeah. But I, I was not even born yet. What side of the family is it on your mom's side? Uh, yeah, Darn my mother's it. side, yeah. I was going to say, we could we could reach out, but probably not. 
Minnesota. But yeah, there's a lot of history in that. Okay. Okay. So, so sorry, I, we're that, not Now that you have a, a little introduction into who Tony is as a person. Yes. My ancestry is crazy. I'd have it take me forever to, <laughs> to look through it. But I want to. And I know that a lot of my family has done a lot of family history. Uh, my great-grandma, especially, I've sat with her and talked a lot about, myth- not mythology, uh, family history throughout my lifetime. Um, are we, for Christmas, getting each other Ancestry DNA kits? We are. We're going to do Ancestry DNA kits for mm-hmm. Christmas this year. So we can find out exactly what percentage of everything that we are. Yeah, I'm super excited. Me too. That's going to be on a Patreon episode. That We're will gonna... be a Patreon episode where we document our whole process, um, document our reactions to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's going to be raw, pure emotion in the Patreon, so go subscribe. Okay, so I wanted to talk about the creation myth of Ireland. So I'm going to do that, and then Tony's going to give us the real low-down history on it. Yeah. Yeah. And he went deep. Uh, Yeah. Like, expect a decent episode. Yeah, this episode is going to be almost an hour and a half, maybe even longer. Maybe. I wrote myself the same note twice. Oh, no. (laughs) Okay. So, it says that today, the Irish, so you, are considered the Milesian race because genuine Irish are descended from Milesius of Spain, who lived in Ireland in 1000 BC. Hey, dope. I go into the Milesians later. Alright, so I'm also part Spaniard. Hell yeah. Let's go. (laughs) Well, I mean, 1,000 B.C. is, like, thousands of years ago. And who knows if you're a direct descendant of him. Well, maybe. Maybe you are. Now you have to do with the family history to figure it out. Yep. So, I took most of my notes from the story called The Ages of the World, which is in a mythology anthology... Mythology anthology. What a mouthful. Yes. Try saying um, that three times fast, Cece. It's written by Donna Rosenberg, and she's amazing at what she does. She puts together very cohesive stories. So when we decided to do this, I decided to look at her story, and that's what I'm going to be basing it on. So if you know a different version, and some versions go into more details at separate parts, this is what I went with. I think it's I think it gives a gives us a really good idea of the basics. What I did was I kind of wrote down facts, and then I kind of wrote down a couple of interpretations of facts, just because I wanted to take our research just a step further for this, because I know you're super interested in it, and I want to be able to discuss this. Yes. And then when we find out what main nationality you are, we can... We'll do an episode. We'll do an episode on CC. So, the first age was the age of Laidra. A wonderful leader who died, and Ireland was flooded after his death. Weird. And that was the first race of Ireland. All right. This guy, Lavra, he had 16 wives, and he was, like, loved. And in my, like, I wonder if, because that was basically all that the story said about it. I wonder if maybe they were... You know, he was, like, a god, and when he died, you know, the other gods got mad and killed the entire race. Because they're not humans. Right. They're, a lot of these ages are described as deities or something like that. So these guys aren't technically humans. So it's kind of like the Norse gods. Like, they can still age and they can still die. Yes, but they live for a long time. Okay. Um... I do want to look and see if there is a myth that explains that in more detail. I'm wondering if maybe he's a favorite of the god, and I'm wondering why all the other people had to die too. Like, I'm very intrigued. I need to know when when's the Netflix special going to come out about it. <laughs> right. Considering they already released one about Rome, let's see. Let's see Ireland for a change. So after. The, f- age, the first age died. The land remained empty for 268 years. 
which is an oddly specific number. That is a very specific number. I don't know why, but that was the number that was written. So age two, we have the invaders of Ireland, and these are Ir these are the Irish divine ancestors. And there were 48 gods. These were evenly divided by gender. So there was 24 females and 24 male gods. And they lived on this island, or they lived on Ireland for 300 years. And their numbers grew from 48 to 5,000. Holy cow. Yeah. Um, which, I mean, it doesn't seem like a lot of people compared to, like, today's standards. But when you think about the fact that they started with 48 people, I mean... Kind of gross. Yeah. <laughs> oh, shoot. I'm doing really good so far, but I guess we should warn people that I do have a tick. I do have Tourette's. Yes. I officially diagnosed with Tourette's. I don't think I would mention that last week. No. <laughs> um, True. So if I, do, if I do have my tics, yay. But <laughs> so far they seem to be, maybe it's because I'm talking. Knock on wood. Yeah. <laughs> That's not even wood. Yeah, I, go. I gotcha, I gotcha. Um, so, these guys were called the Partholians. That's a badass name. It's because um, the leader was Partholon. Ah, never mind. <laughs> and when they came to Ireland, Ireland only consisted of dirt lakes and rivers and i think it was like four lakes and nine rivers all right and they basically built more these guys built more rivers and started turning the land into like usable land to like grow stuff yeah like farming because i mean ireland is still a pretty agricultural place and like i think this is this is that's kind of why this story because we'll see agriculture pop up multiple times yeah um, so they were not perfect. This age introduced, um, jealousy, anger, betrayal, rage, all of the not-so-positive sides of human emotions. Right. There is an example with Partholon's wife, who, while Partholon was away, the leader of these people, she had an affair. And she got caught. But... She was one smart cookie, and she was like, well, he left me, and therefore I had no one here with me to defend my honor. So really, it's his fault, and Partholon got punished. All right. But that's considered the first legal dispute. And I found this, I found this term that they used, a legal dispute, because that's the terming that she used, right. to be interesting because, you know, you don't really hear a lot of, like, legal... And they had... They had... Oh, I didn't write down the details of it. Oh, my goodness. But they had, like, almost like a court, like we do today. Right. I'm so I'm sorry in the background. My dog is, like, half snoring. Chloe. Half trying to clean herself. Yeah. <laughs> She's a fat <laughs> dog. Okay. So, with this age is the introduction of basically the main antagonists of the story. Is a race of somethings. I don't know what they are. God, demigod, ah, human, right, creature. But they're called the Fomolians. Oh wait, no, they're fairies. Duh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what they are. Oh yeah, they're fairies. I forgot. I forgot yeah, that. You're okay. So when I was listening to Morbid's fairy episode, they talked about these guys, and that I I just didn't click until right mm. now. Okay. So, Fomolians are freaking weird. Alright. They have one eye, one hand, and one foot, and that's how they fought. Granted, they were magical. Sorry for cutting you off, CC. Uh, the, the mic kind of sounded crappy, so I had to fix it. Yeah, and we had to deal with the puppo because yeah. she was whew, freaking out. Getting annoyed. Okay. So, the Fomolians. Yes. They... Basically started warring with these guys, and they were defeated, and they basically just scuttled off, and they lurked in the shadows waiting for revenge. Okay. So, you know, they're introduced here, but they don't become important until later. 
So, Partholian got sick on May 1st, the first day of Beltine. I think we've talked about Beltine multiple times. It's a really big pagan festival. Yeah, we've talked about it a couple of times. And um, when Partholian died of the sickness, all the people died too. Right. And Ireland remained empty for 30 years. And I'm curious, again, why all the people had to die because this one guy died. Right. I'm so concerned about this. Uh, the Irish, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? All right. So now we're on to age three. The Nemedian race, or the uh, Nemed race. And Nemed is a sacred guy. Okay. So they were really big on sheep. Yes. Yeah, which which tracks with Ireland. I, I love sheep. There's a tracks. What do you mean it tracks? I don't know when you think when I think of sheep, I think of the Irish countryside. Yeah, because you know what? I get into it in my portion, so you know what? Yeah, keep going. <laughs> so, they also fought the Fomorians because instead of Taking over the land and the 30 years of emptiness, the Fomolians were like, you know what? We're going to wait till someone else moves in, and then we're going to kick their butt. It sounds like a very Irish thing to do. However, a disease wiped out Nemed and 2,000 people, and the Fomolians were able to conquer Ireland. Ah. So they were just being punks the entire time. Yes. <laughs> and so six um the the Nemedians weren't gonna go quietly, so they tried to you know fought they fought until the very bitter end, and sixteen thousand more people died, and the Nemedians fled. All right. So, Fomorians basically are living here until age four, in which the Furbolg race somehow gets it all back. <laughs> okay. So they invited they they invited they invaded on August first, which is a feast day of Lugnasod, which is the beginning of autumn. It's a like festival. Okay. And they celebrate the beginning of autumn on this day. It's like a big feast day. And that's when the Firbolg invaded Ireland. They had many tribes, one king. They were not divine. So these are our first humans. Okay. And they had lots of human spirit. Like, they were just a very, you know, when you think of... They were a warrior race. Right. Um, Ireland... This is when Ireland became super agricultural as well. Because each race had kind of improved the land a little bit. And, um, these people were dubbed warrior aristocrats. Okay. So, I guess if that's, that might help explain them a little bit better. Um, they were defeated by blank. It doesn't quite say. It can be assumed that it is age five, the age of the Tuatha Dé Danann. All right. Now, if you remember... Back a few episodes ago, when we talked about fairies, we mentioned these guys. Yep. Well, they're from Ireland. Right. <laughs> um, so the, they, these guys, just as a refresher, they're the divine people of the mother goddess, Danu. Right. Um, they were determined to stay, so when they landed on the coast of Ireland, they burned all their boats. They were like, we are going to stay here, and we're going to beat these guys, or we're going to die. There's no in between. All right. So, pretty, pretty scary. Pretty scary. So, the three most important of these guys, and um, probably people that we'll go into when we do more Irish episodes... These were called Dagda the Good, Lug of the Long Arms, and Nuwada of the Silver Arms. So these three were the most powerful guys. And um, I didn't write this all down because it kind of went into them themselves and basically mini-myths inside of the creation myth. But they did a ton of crazy things. Okay. Um, They also had a bunch of treasures, and these treasures did, like, 
special things. Just you wait. So we've got the... Hamilton. (laughs) We've got the Bronze Cauldron of Plenty. Can you guess what that does? The Bronze Cauldron of Plenty. So what, is it like an endless cup of alcohol? No. Okay. So it's a big pot that basically feeds people exactly what they deserve, but it'll always leave the people full. So you may not deserve very much food, but, but you'll but feel fine, you. yeah. but it'll fill you up, which hmm. I found super interesting. The next artifact is the Stone of Destiny. Do you want to guess what that one does? No. Because <laughs> I'm going to make myself look a fool. So, it emits a human cry when the lawful king steps on it. Oh. Which is terrifying. I mean, that's scary as hell, but yeah. I mean, if... <laughs> Please. <laughs> I'm just saying... So, like, it makes sense, though, because, I mean, Ireland was split up into multiple kings up until they all came to be one king. So that destiny, the the Stone of Destiny, Oh, no, so basically, sense. these guys also, yeah, yeah, pretty much. Okay, so next we have the Spear of Nuwada, which always hits its targets and guarantees insta-death. All right. And then finally, there was the Sword of Lug, which guaranteed certain victory, and it was always hungry for blood. So he he would have to keep this sword when it was not being used in a basically like poppy seed poultice in his scabbard. All right. I don't know if it's actually called scabbard in Ireland, but... That's what I know it as yeah. from pirates, so. Pirates, like, of the Caribbean? No, just from pirates. Oh. Like. My knowledge of pirates arr. isn't limited to just pirates of the Caribbean. Arr. I don't know. I was in a show about pirates. Oh, yeah. Whatever. <laughs> so, yeah, but these poppy leaves, I found that super interesting, like, that he has to put the sword to sleep in poppy leaves. Because it just constantly wants blood. Oh my god. (laughs) Sounds like something that would be in a horror movie. Yeah. But as soon as I saw these four treasures, I was like, why is there not more movies based on this kind of stuff? Yeah. Like, just with the cool special effects (laughs) that we have now, we could do so much with this. You know what? Then write a screenplay. (laughs) And uh, present it to any director you want and say, hey, I want a movie made about this. So, basically, the rest of the creation story from that novel, or from that from that book, right. um, talks about how, like, all their battle plans and stuff that they used to fight the and defeat the Firbolg. But it wasn't super important. Like I said, it's something that I it's stuff that I want to go to in more detail later. Right. So I kind of skipped over it for now. But basically, the um, the Tuatha de Danon were victorious, and um, the Furball people didn't necessarily leave though. They kind of just integrated into the society, and this is partially because of the Milesians. Like I talked about earlier. Right. Because they invaded while both the Firbolg and the Tuatha de Danann were living on this, on Ireland. And they basically took over and they just kind of integrated the other two tribes and started, you know, getting together and having offspring of mixed... Yeah. Mixed tribeship. Yes. And it's interesting because this actually has some symbolic meaning behind it. And it's that the three races are considered the different tribes of the Celtic family, separated from the main stem and blended back to the one tribe. Like the Ga- like the Gaels, I think? Yeah, uh, the Gaels, the Gaelics. So, Gaelic is a language, but yeah, and, you know what I mean. Yes. So this invasion may have happened in 1000 BC, like I mentioned earlier. 
So that's like there is some evidence to suggest that some of the stuff actually happened. Probably not in the way, obviously not in the way that in the myths. Right. But um, I mean, there very well could have been one-eyed, one-handed, one-footed <laughs> creatures <laughs> that fought with one hand. Yeah, that were magical. <laughs> uh, no, you don't. I'm not messing with fairies. Fairies are very. Yeah, yeah. Very serious deal. Yes. As we discussed in our fairy episode. <laughs> um, the last little interesting factoid that I had is that there is a Celtic seminary, seminary, cemetery that was found in Austria that dated back to approximately 900 BC. But yeah. I talk about cemeteries. Nice. <laughs> but that is the creation myth. I understand that it wasn't very cohesive. But that's because that story is not very cohesive. There's a, there's a lot to it. Yeah. And I just wanted to get some basics in there. The Tuatha Anon, the Verbolgs, and the Malaysians are the most important races, it seems, in Irish culture. Yes. So I'm curious to see how those names come back as we do more research on this. Me too. Um, Yeah. So I'm going to, I think we should probably take a break. Yeah, we should probably take a break because my next part, I have about 1,800 words that I'm going to be saying. So. And that's not even including the interruptions that I'm going to make. Yes. All right. Well, we're going to go for a pee break, probably get some water, cry ourselves to sleep. But Why are we crying <laughs> ourselves to sleep when we need to record? Uh, don't talk to me. Okay, we'll be right back. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Okay, welcome I'm back. I'm so tired. <laughs> Me too. It's it's, it's almost two a.m. Currently two a.m. <laughs> okay. We both just worked long days. We both just closed. Yes. But I guess we can probably say this now before we get back into things. Um, we are changing our release dates for episodes. We probably should have said this at the beginning of the episode. You know what? I'll send out a message on all of our social medias. But they will now be released on Wednesdays. Still at 10 a.m. or do you want to make it later? Let's make it a little later. I'd say around 1 p.m., 2 p.m. Because I do work Tuesday and Wednesday. Yes, uh, and they just changed my work schedule, so now we're never home together. Yay! So we're just going to be releasing them on Wednesdays instead to give us more time to be able to give you guys quality content and Tony more time to be able to edit. Yes. Because yes. it takes a long time because Cece pauses a lot. Hey. It's <laughs> not very nice. Called out. Okay. So do you know why I'm doing this? Why no. why we're doing this Ireland episode? Because of your ancestry? Well, well, that. But Valhalla just released a new DLC the other oh, day. Oh, you dork. Yes. Assassin's Creed Valhalla just released their Ireland DLC where you are literally going to Ireland and fighting... Oh god, it's like these people in masks in like this like whole get up outfit type. Like druids? Thing. Yeah, yes. Exactly druids. Ooh. Yes. Um, so do you know what druids are? Uh kind of sort of. Okay, so druids were basically like super, super powerful people. Like, I think they were considered somewhat like sorcerers back in the day, but basically these guys were just really intelligent and really spiritual. Okay, cool. So, um, like, they literally had the power to go out into the middle of a warring battlefield and stop. Like, just be like, stop the fighting, and the people would stop the fighting and just walk away. Dang, all right. Like, these (laughs) druids were powerful. I'm excited. Well, when you said said the sword. The sword of love? Yes. And I... You think that we're gonna... You think that it's gonna be in the game? Uh Uh-huh. So, yeah. Uh, well, I guess... Um, welcome to we'll, the nerdy side. <laughs> we'll do. We'll record Tony's reaction to playing this new game. Maybe oh we'll stream it. Oh but God. then we'll release it as special content on the Patreon for you guys. Yes. Yep. Okay. So, the history of Ireland. Like I said, this is going to be a long portion. So, buckle in, strap up, and... Get some popcorn. Yeah, get some popcorn. So... I'm hungry. Me too. So, history. Uh, Ireland, lying to the west of Britain, 
has always been to some extent cut off by it from direct content contact wow with other european countries especially those from sweden to the rhine river readier access has been through france spain and portugal and even norway and iceland so they're pretty much so in the middle uh internally the four religious provinces into which ireland was divided in the 12th century century wow realistically denoted the main natural divisions of the country so they were pretty torn up a while ago. Uh, of these, the North had, in the earliest times, had been culturally connected with Scotland, the east of the Roman Britain, and Wales, the south with Wales and France, and the southwest and west with France and Spain. So they've been all around the world, basically. Basically saturated by its surrounding countries. Yeah. Uh, in later times, despite political changes, these associations continued in greater or lesser degree. Uh, the position of Ireland, geographically, bordering Western Europe, became central, air quotes, and thus potentially more important once Europe's horizons expanded in the 15th and 16th centuries to include the New World. Which, I didn't do a lot of research on the New World, just because I think that's going to come up a lot in the Ireland history and all that kind of stuff. The New World is considered America. Oh. Yeah. Well, hey, cool. Yeah, because around the 15th, 16th century, that's when, you know, America Europe was invaded. being saturated with European colonists. Okay, cool. So, that, the New World is the Americas. Dope. Or, is, yeah, the is, Americas. Yeah. Well, te yeah, technically, the Americas... South America, you had, North America. Yeah, tribes in Mexico and South America. Yeah. Uh, ironically, it was in the earliest period that Ireland won particular fame as a notable and respected center of Christianity, scholarship, and the arts. After the Middle Ages, subjugation to Britain dulled, or the struggle for freedom had been absorbed in much of Ireland's native energy. Hmm. Yeah. So Britain basically came in and was all like, <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, but its influence was always exercised as much through its emigrants, emigrants? Yeah. As in its achievements as a nation. During the centuries of British occupation, the successors of the great missionaries and scholars who had fostered Christianity and learning among the Germanic peoples of the European continent from the 7th to the 9th century, were those who were formed a considerable element in the armies and clergy of Roman Catholic, bleh, Roman Catholic countries and had a vast influence on the later development of the United States. Throughout history, numerous people of Anglo-Irish, you'll hear Anglo a lot, there's Anglo-Saxons, Anglo-Danes, Anglo-Irish, basically just European Irish, all that types types of stuff. Uh, numerous people of Anglo-Irish origin or nurture have been have had a constant and profound influence as statesmen or soldiers on the history of both Britain and Ireland. Hmm. Yeah. You have any insight to that? Anything that you found was really cool? No. Except that the Anglos were actually an, an invading race to Ireland and all of the, you know, pagan societies. Mm -hmm. Okay, now early Ireland. This is like 6000 BCE, early. Uh, the human occupation of Ireland did not begin until a late stage of the prehistory of Europe, which you explained. Uh, it generally was held that the first arrivals to Ireland were Mesolithic, or Mesolithic, hunter-fisher people represented largely by flintwork, found mainly in ancient beaches in the historic counties of Antrim, Down, Luth, and Dublin. Hmm. These artifacts were named Larnian, after Larne, Northern Ireland. The site where they were first found dates from 6000 BCE onward, and were assigned to them. Hmm, interesting. Yeah. Uh, archaeological work since World War II, however, casts considerable doubt on the antiquity and affinities of the people who were responsible for the Larnian industry. Association with Neolithic remains suggests that they should not 
should, they should be not as a mess. Wow, I can't speak tonight. Wow. Uh, of a Mesolithic people. If I know what that is, I don't think I do. Um, but is rather is groups of contemporary Neolithic culture, which new Stone Age culture. Uh, lake and riverside finds, especially along the River Bon, show a comparable tradition. A single carbon-14 date of 5725 plus or minus 110 BCE. I have no idea what that means. So that's 5725 BCE plus or minus 110 years. Okay. Yeah. Uh, from Tum Bay, north of Luch Nyach. Weird names, I know. Uh, they were for woodworking and flint that uh, has been cited in support of a Mesolithic phase in Ireland. But such a single date cannot be considered reliable. Just because that stuff is so old that they have no idea. Yeah. Uh, now the Neolithic period, or the New Stone Age period, um, basically states... Wow, brain... Not working. Uh, the general pattern of carbon-14 date determinations suggests that the Neolithic period in Ireland began about 3000 BCE. As in Britain, the most widespread evidence of early farming communities is long barrow burial. Or long barrow burial. You know what that is? Yes. What is it? I had to search it up. Uh, it explains it later in okay. here. Uh, the main Irish long barrow series consists of megalithic tombs called court tombs, because of an oval or semicircular open space, or court, inset into the end of the long barrow precedes the burial chamber. So they're like cemeteries? Yep. Okay. So this entire portion is about cemeteries. Okay. Which I found was really weird. I was well, like, Am I, I was on the just right interesting thing? because it was talking about farming communities, but I guess it would make sense that with farming communities, you would get to understand the dirt better, and so you would start to have different burial ceremonies yeah uh there are more than 300 of these court tombs so there's a lot of those um they occur in the northern half of ireland the cat's crying our cat's crying to get in athena hi baby girl (laughs) uh so they're uh they occur in the northern half of ireland and the distribution is bounded on the south by the lowlands of the central plain Timber-built rectangular houses belonging to the court tomb builders have been discovered at... (laughs) That was a trick, by the way. Cece now meows like a cat. I do! Okay. So this is is a weird name. (laughs) It's Ballynagilly in the County Tyrone and at Ballyglass. You gotta say it like... Count Tyrone. You know you gotta say it like you're a uh, country country bumpkin. Oh yeah. Ballynagilly. Ballynagilly. County Tyrone. And at Ballyglass, County Mayo. County Mayo. It's literally County Mayo. I actually have a family member from County Mayo, which I thought was funny. Uh, the court tombs are intimately related to the British Long Barrow series of the Severn Cotswold and chalk regions, and probably derived from common prototypes in northwestern France. This is a lot of hard language. Yes. <laughs> uh, I also had to search up quite a few of these words. Uh, in Ireland, a second type of megalithic long barrow, the so-called portal tomb, of which there are more than 150 examples, developed from the court tomb. So, what is the difference? So... I'll pull up pictures. Okay, after. we'll post pictures yeah. on the Instagram of what Tony is talking about yes. because I'm a visual person and trying to listen to Tony explain this, I'm malfunctioning. Yes. Uh, also, I found everything on Britannica.com. You didn't even use that website I was telling you about? No. Oh, this no. is all information off of Britannica. No, what I'm saying is you shouldn't use this other website. Well, we found this. If you guys are interested in the history of Ireland, and you should tell your coworker about this website as well because it's super interesting. And I can't remember what the frick it's called right now. It's like luminarium.org or something. Oh yeah, like luminarium. That. Yeah, luminarium.org, and it's got hundreds and hundreds of Irish links. Yeah. So. 
This is one of the Irish links. From that website? Yeah. Okay. So I got it from that website on tipbritannica.org. Okay. Okay. So that's basically what it does is it sends you to the right place. Right. Sometimes there's like, I got some information from an article on there. I just forgot to mention it because I didn't write it down in my notes. Right. But it has lots of information on the history of Ireland, prominent people, um, myths, all that good stuff. So if you're interested, go check that out. And that was an unsponsored promotion. Yes. Uh, So, like I said, they were developed from the court tomb. Uh, They spread across the court tomb area in the northern half of Ireland and extended into Leinster and Waterford and also to western Wales and Cornwall. I don't know where any of these places are, but it sounds good. Basically, they were friggin' massive everywhere. Heard. Yeah. Uh, Beans. 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 Wow. Okay. Heard. Oh. I told you that the the meow has been happening more often. Okay, let's keep going with this, because I'm on page two of five. Oh, no. Uh, Another notable feature of the Irish Neolithic is the passage tomb. So there's multiple different types of tombs. Uh, This megalithic tomb, unlike the long barrow types, is set in a round mound, which is actually really cool. They have all of their tombs basically underground, but Mm -hmm. there's, like, grass that's growing over Mm -hmm. them. It's so freaking awesome. I saw a picture of one. I was like, oh, that's cool. Uh, They were sited usually on a hilltop and grouped in cemeteries. Uh, The rich grave goods of these tombs include beads, pendants, and bone pins. Many bone of, pins? Yeah. What are bone pins? Uh, bone pins. Let's just highlight it and search it. Uh, bone pins are a weird looking, literally, but pins made of bone. Okay. Like, literally, bones made of, or pins so made of like bones. So they're like little, like, decorations, basically. Yeah. They're jewelry. Like, yeah. They're like jewelry, but made out of bones, which yeah. I think is metal AF. So... Ireland is metal AF. Have you ever met anyone from Ireland? Because I haven't, and I really want to. I have not. Uh, I have met a few people from New Zealand, though. What's up? Uh, Many of the stones of the tombs are elaborately decorated with engraved designs. The main axis of the distribution lies along a series of great cemeteries from the River Boyne to Sligo. Lit. So far away again. Uh, smaller groups and single tombs occur largely in the northern half of the country and in Leinster. So basically, the northern Ireland was just full of tombs. <laughs> uh, so now we get into the Bronze Age. Uh, two great incursions established the early Bronze Age in Ireland, one represented by approximately 400 megalithic tombs of the wedge tomb variety. Man, you focus a lot on tombs. It's what was on the website. Uh, it is associated with beaker pottery. Hmm. Like we use in science. Yep. We use in science, as if we've gone to a science class in the last, you know, five years. Yeah. <laughs> what college are you going to? Uh, I haven't taken any science classes since I was a junior. I know. Uh, this group is dominated in the western half of the country. Uh, similar tombs also associated with beaker finds are common in the French region of Brittany. Uh, and the origin of the Irish series is clearly from this region. So basically, Irish and French made beaker pottery. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, in Ireland, the distribution indicates... Are you sure that be- is beaker pottery literally just the science beakers? Is that actually no, what they're talking no. about? So then what is it? What is beaker pottery? You know what? You're going to make me research all this stuff while we're, we're recording. I am I'm, because... D- I'm down for it. Because you... Oh, it it's, literally does just look like little... It looks... They look like little pots, like yeah. little, little cups. You can kind of see where beakers could originate from this, because it looks like they've kind of got um, like an hourglass with a lip at the top, mm-hmm. where it goes out. Yeah. Um. Yeah, we'll post pictures of these as well. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh... Yada, yada, yada. Uh, In Ireland, the distribution indicates that these tomb builders sought well-drained grazing land, such as the Burren limestones in Clare, and also copper deposits, such as those in the Cork Carey Coast and around the Silver Mines area of Tipperary. 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 Wow. 
in contrast, in the eastern half of the country, a people in oh, the single wow. burial tradition dominant, their burial modes and distinctive pottery, known as food vessels... Me. Literally, I am a food vessel. Literally food vessels. I am trying to search shit, and you keep knocking my arm. Just like that. <laughs> so, search food vessels. It is like... Oh, they're like big pots. Yeah. They're like or, holding pots is that a for food. boat? Yeah, it's a, it's a young gravy boat. I hate you. <laughs> Stop hitting my arm that has the mouse on it. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm not left-handed. Uh, the food vessels have strong roots in the beaker tradition that dominates in many areas of Western Europe. Uh, they have... They may have reached Ireland via Britain from the lowland areas around the Rhine or farther north, so the Rhine River. Mm -hmm. Uh, Throughout the early Bronze Age, Ireland had a flourishing metal industry, and bronze, copper, and gold objects were exported widely to Britain and the continent. What the heck is the continent? Like, the whole continent of Europe? the entire continent of Europe. Okay, well... Continent is not very descriptive. Well, you look at Britain, and then you think the continent that contains Britain. But it's still very menacing, the continent. The continent. Uh, In the Middle Bronze Age, around 1500 BCE, new influences brought urn burial into Eastern Ireland. Like cremation? Yep. Uh, From about 1200 BCE, elements of a late Bronze Age appear... And by about 800 BCE, a great late Bronze Age industry was established. The There's a lot bronze of Bronze Ages. Uh, a considerable wealth of bronze and gold is present, an example of which is the Great Clare Gold Hoard. Nordic connections have been noted in much of this metalwork. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So next, we're on to the Iron Age. Uh, the period. This Hold one's. On. This one is small. Thank you, dog. Uh, so the Iron Age is a smaller explanation. Uh, the period of the transition from the Bronze Age to the Iron Age in Ireland is fraught with uncertainties. The problem of identifying archaeological remains with language language grouping is notoriously difficult, but it seems likely that the principal Celtic arrivals occurred in the Iron Age. So the Celts came during the Iron Age. Which makes sense because um, Celtic religion is about... 1200 BC to about 400 BC, approximately. Mm-hmm. Approximately. We don't know exact numbers because we're learning, just like you guys. Uh, or no, it's after that. Maybe it's, it's the year 500. It's after that? Okay. I don't know. 500 AD or? AD. Okay. I, can't, I, can't, I can't quite remember, though. I just, I just learned about all of this stuff. <laughs> You're good. Uh, okay, so Irish sagas, which probably reflect the pagan Irish uh, Iron Age, reveal conditions in many respect, respects similar to the descriptions of the ancient classical authors, such as Poseidonius and Julius Caesar. The Celts were an Indo-European group who are thought to have originated in the second millennium BCE, probably in East-Central Europe. They were among the earliest to develop an Iron Age culture, as has been found in Hallstatt, Austria, circa 700 BCE. So, bringing it back to Austria for a minute. Mm -hmm. Uh, Although there is a little sign of Hallstatt-like culture in Ireland, the later La Tenye culture, which may date in Ireland from 300 BC or earlier, is represented in metalwork and some stone sculpture mainly in the northern half of the country. Welcome back, Northern Ireland. Uh, connections from Northern England are apparent, and Hillfort building seems also char- characteristic of this Iron Age. Which I thought is really freaking cool. So this next section is Early Celtic Ireland. I only did two smaller sections of this because this would have taken me another 30 minutes to read. There's a lot of information. So this is getting into the politics and the rural economy and living conditions. Uh, so this should make more sense, hopefully. Yes, this makes a lot more sense. It's not about uh, tombs. Dead people. Dead people. Uh, politically, Ireland was organized into a number of petty kingdoms or clans, each of which was quite independent under its elected king. 
Groups of clans tended to combine, but the king who claimed overlordship in each group had a primacy of honor rather than of jurisdiction. Not until the 10th century AD was there a king of all of Ireland. A division of the country into five groups of clans, known as the Five Fifths, occurred about the beginning of the Christian era. These were Ulster, Meath, Leinster, Munster, and Connaught. Munster like cheese. Yes, Munster like the cheese. Uh, surrounding a king was an arist. It's not aristocracy. Aristocracy. That's it. Aristocracy. I even listened to this and forgot how it was pronounced. Uh, it's the upper class, whose land and property were rights were clearly defined by law, and whose main wealth was in cattle. So going back to land. Uh, greater landowners were supported by clients. These and other grades of society, minutely classified and described by legal writers, tilled the soil and tended the cattle. Individual families were the real units of society and collectively exercised powers of ownership over their farms and territory. At law, the family did not merely act corporately, but was, by one of the oldest customs, held responsible for the observance of the law by its kindred, serfs, and slaves. Hmm. Yeah. Which I actually thought was really, like, weird. Yeah, interesting. Uh, so, next is the rural economy and living conditions. So, there were no urban centers. And the economic basis of society was cattle-rearing and agriculture. Of course, Ireland. Uh, the principal crops were wheat, barley, oats, flax, and hay. That's a lot of fucking carbs. That is a lot of carbs. Uh, Excuse my language. No, you're good. So, <laughs> barley, of course. Alcohol, which us Irishmen love for some freaking reason. Uh, and, yeah. So... Also, my favorite soup is mushroom barley soup. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the land was tilled with plows drawn by oxen. Sheep appeared to have been bred principally for their wool, mm -hmm. which is why you correlate sheep to Ireland. And the only animal reared specifically for slaughter was the pig. Why does that make sense? I don't know. It just does. <laughs> don't question the Irish people. I want to go to Ireland so bad. Subscribe to our Patreon. Make our dreams come true. We'll yes. vlog all of it. Like literally, we'll even vlog us sleeping if you want. Like, literally, you can literally creepily watch us sleep. You Just know, fund this, fund this, fund this, fund this for us. People, wow. people Sorry. have sleep streams. <laughs> like I shit you not, people will stream them going to sleep. That's so weird. It's weird, but it gets them a lot of money. Why? I don't know, because people like to make weird noises, because the sounds on Twitch make really loud noises in the room. So either to try to wake them up. Or to make really nasty, inappropriate noises, so if anyone else is in the house, then they can hear them. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's so it's weird. weird. What is internet culture? I don't know. Uh, fishing, hunting, fowling, and trapping provided additional food. So it wasn't just pigs that they But they were the killed. only um, land animal, really. Yeah. Besides, so they ate birds... Fish, and probably animals like deer, wild elk. animals. Yeah. Deer, elk, boar. Yeah, but pigs were basically... Pigs were like the farm. They didn't raise like... Cows or... Cows. Yeah, or chickens. Uh, the transport of goods over land was by pack horse, for wheel vehicles appear to have been a few. <laughs> uh, sea transport was by Karach, a wicker-framed boat covered with hides. Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. I had to look up a picture of it, and it was freaking awesome. Uh, the normal freshwater craft was the dugout. I have not seen a picture of that, because when I typed in dugout... It came up with baseball! came up with baseball. Uh, the dwellings of the period were built by the post and wattle technique, and were situated within the protected sites archaeologic... Archaeologists? Wow. Archaeologists? <laughs> Archaeologists, that's it. Call of Ring Forts. <laughs> You're shrunk. We need to go to bed. Like I said, it's uh, it's 2 a.m. It's 2 a.m. Uh, excavations have shown that some of these may have existed even in the Bronze Age and that they remained a normal place of habitation until medieval times. 
so a long time. Mm -hmm. Uh, Advantage was also taken of the relative security of islands in rivers or lakes as dwelling places. And artificial islands called Cranogs. I love, I love their language. All their uh, things just sound so magical. It's so cool. Uh, they were also extensively made, artificial islands. Uh, the Irish laws point to a large development of rural industry no. in the period. Wow! Stop laughing at it. In which they were first written down shortly before the Norse invasions, beginning at the end of the eighth century. <laughs> Yes, the Nords did that. (laughs) They deal minutely not only with the management of land and animal rearing, but also with innumerable further details of husbandry. I want to know what husbandry means. Give me one second. Search husbandry. Uh, The care, cultivation, and breeding of crops and animals. Okay, that's that's not what I thought it meant. Uh, It's the breeding of husbands. (laughs) The breeding of husbands. (laughs) Hey, welcome to Mythology Breakdown. The podcast where two people who know nothing about, uh, what is it, husbandry, teach you about husbandry. The breeding of husbands. Uh, it also included milling, dyeing, dairying. Literally, I'm that means milking. Dairying. It's the same thing as milking. No, Malting, meat curing, and spinning and weaving. Wool spun with a wooden spindle, weighted with a whorl of bone or stone. They are metal. Bone or stone. Bone or stone. Uh, and it was woven on a loom. <laughs> 13-year-old boy. I know. God. I'm sorry, Mom. Making this podcast so hard for me. Uh, <laughs> the outer garment worn by both men and women was a large woolen cloak or a brat. You is mean, what it's. I, I it's probably it brought. brought. It's probably brought, but it's spelled brat. Uh, it's fastened on the shoulder or breast with a pin or brooch. Brooch. Isn't it brooch? It's brooch. Oh. Uh, the inner garment was a long linen tunic, girded at the waist with a belt. Shoes of rawhide or tanned leather were worn, at least by the upper classes and the higher professional ranks. A large amount of metalwork reveals the adaptation by Irish craftsmen of many techniques originating in Britain or on the European continent. Not the continent. The European continent. <laughs> the continent. <laughs> the continent. Uh, an instinct for design. Sounds like a spy movie. An instinct for design? No. Oh, the, the continent. continent. <laughs> Back on that again, I guess. <laughs> sorry. Uh, an instinct for design added to the skillful use of these techniques enabled them to produce many superb objects of which the terra brooch, I'm going to just start calling it brooch, uh, dating from about the mid-8th century is an outstanding example. The chief musical instrument of the period was the harp. That makes sense. Total sense. Harp. Harp. Well, that was a whole lot of information. Yes. So if you guys got all of that, kudos. Yes. I barely got all of that. Yeah, that was a lot of information. <laughs> We'll be posting some pictures on the Instagram, which you can find at Mythology Breakdown Pod, or you can find us on TikTok at Mythology underscore Breakdown underscore Pod. You can also find us on Twitter at Myth Breakdown, and on Facebook at Mythology Breakdown the Podcast, where we basically just post little updates, and we're gonna start. Uh, messing around with the Facebook a little bit more. I kind of want to do uh, like polls on what people want to hear next. I know that that's a very minimal part of our fan base, but I mean, go join the Facebook and you'll be a part of a bigger fan base. We love you. Um, if you want to send us an email telling us your stories, which we totally encourage, we want you to do that at mythologybreakdownpod at gmail.com. Yep. And like we said earlier, the Patreon, it is patreon.com forward slash mythology breakdown. And, um, yeah, I think that's, I think that's all of them. Yeah. Uh, hey, if you're not listening to us on iHeartRadio already, we are officially on iHeartRadio. Yes, so now you can find us on iHeartRadio, you can find us on Spotify, you can find us on Apple Podcasts. If you 
are following us on Apple Podcasts or I think iHeartRadio has ratings. I think so. Um, I haven't been able to find it yet, but I think so. Drop that five star and give us a nice review or, or a bad review. Tell us yeah. what you want us to do better. I mean, if maybe you, maybe Tony just needs to learn how to edit out all my ticks because maybe they're too distracting. You know what? I don't know. Maybe tell us that. Maybe if you want us to, if you want to talk to my wife about letting me buy a better setup, uh, you can do that as well. Please. <laughs> All right. I need a well, condenser mic. We have officially hit the hour mark. Yes. Um. So I think it's time for us to say good night. Yes. And I'm going to be editing this tomorrow morning. <laughs> yes. So this should be out around Wednesday afternoon. Yeah. I would say around 2 p.m. at the earliest. Yeah. Just because I have a lot of things I have to do at work We tomorrow. had kind of a crazy weekend. We had some family stuff going on. So we weren't able to... Do our normal routine, which is why we're coming at you a little bit late this week. Just life happens, and when life happens, you let it happen, and sometimes it makes other things not happen, and that's fine. What a good, <laughs> what a good anthology, Cece. I loved that. When life happens, sometimes it makes life not happen. <laughs> I need to go to bed. Okay, so on that note, because Cece is now crying, have a good night. Um, until next time, I've been Susie. Oh shit, I've been Tony. <laughs>